Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I'm not going to give a, a typical sermon this this morning since today we had our annual uh, meeting. I thought I could give you a sort of state of the church address. Um, I came across a quote by Max Dupree, who wrote a book on leadership, and he was the CEO of the Herman Miller uh, Furniture Company. And he says this in his book on leadership, Max Dupree, the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. Uh, The second task, or the last task, rather, is to say thank you. And in the middle, the leader is to be a servant of those he works with. So the first responsibility is to define reality. And so I want to talk about the reality today of where we have been as a church, where we are now and where we may be going, the challenges that lie ahead. Okay. so first of all, I want to talk about the reality of where we have been. So this is a quick review of our past. And as I thought about the past of this church, I thought of that Psalm, Psalm 124. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, let C.O.R. say, if the Lord had not been on our side, the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us and we would have gone over the raging waters. And I think the same can be said of our church. If the Lord had not been on our side, we would not be here today. God has been faithful to church of the resurrection. When this church voted in 2004 to break away from its previous denomination, it lost its property. It lost many of its assets. And so that was a costly, risky move. But the church did it. The church made this sacrifice and took the risk in order to be faithful to the word of God. The church entered into a period after that vote. The church entered into a period which folk around here call the wilderness wanderings. Father Paul Walter, previous rector, was your Moses. And he led you out of Egypt into the wilderness. And during this period, the church wandered around, (laughs) meeting in hotel ballrooms at one point, in a rec center, the DePere Lodge, Westminster Christian Academy. When I arrived in 2010, the church was meeting at a rented chapel space at the Lutheran Hour Ministries building. I'm sure I missed some stops along the way, but I think those are the highlights. God provided for this church during this period of wandering in the wilderness. Because, friends, it's not easy to keep a church together as you move along to these various locations. It's very difficult to keep a church united when it doesn't have a place, when it's not rooted in a place. And it's difficult, and, and you folks know it, it's difficult to come in every Sunday and set up week after week. That can burn people out. But this church stayed together. I'm hearing some amens over here with the altar guild. <laughs> if the Lord had not been on our side after losing property and wandering around for all these years, we wouldn't be here today. God has been faithful. In 2009, Church of the Resurrection was able to purchase this property thanks to the generosity and sacrifice of the wilderness generation. Those people who made such a sacrifice, took such a risk. 
2009, we purchased the property here on Shetler Road. That was an important year for me too because in that year I was beginning to pray about where the Lord might send me to serve. I was kind of in flux in terms of vocational choices and callings and I knew at that point in my life I wanted to be ordained but I wasn't sure where to go for ordination and I came across the Anglican Mission and I was intrigued by the vision of the Anglican Mission to have a three streams brand of Christianity. The Word, the Sacraments, and the work of the Holy Spirit. And I was attracted to that. And so I gave the Anglican Mission a call, just wanting to know more about this movement. And they put me in touch at that time with Paul Walter, who was the head of the Anglican Mission chapter here in St. Louis, the, the network here in St. Louis. Now, those of you who know Paul will not be surprised when I tell you that in that very first conversation, At the end of the conversation, he says to me, and I was just trying to get information about the AMIA at that time, the Anglican Mission. He said, I've been praying about a successor when I leave, and you might be it. And I was kind of dumbstruck. I didn't know how to respond to that. And then I remember talking to Josie after that conversation. This guy just said that I might be the successor. What is going on here? God was working (laughs) in mysterious ways. Uh, And Paul... It's been said of Paul, if you don't have a plan for your life, he does. Uh, Because he was a missions recruiter for many years, and that served him well in that capacity as a missions recruiter. But he's also a very prayerful man, and he's willing to take risks when prompted by the Holy Spirit. So long story short, I came here in 2010 as an assistant. I was ordained in 2011 as a priest and became your rector that year, a Sunday after Easter. So I've been here now for over seven years. I wasn't sure if it would work. I'm sure some of you were not sure if it would work. How was this former Pentecostal Presbyterian who's been educated at a Jesuit university, how is he going to lead an Anglican church? (laughs) But I think I'm mixed up enough to do it. If the Lord had not been on our side, we would have been swept away. God has been our help. So that's a little bit about where we've been. Now, where are we at the present moment? What is the reality today? We are, thank God, no longer wandering. We have a home. We have a place. We can put down roots. We have a very good location. New people have joined us. And the new people who have joined us recently, the last couple of years, I'm so grateful for because they have brought with them gifts and experience and talent. And they are contributing to the body of Christ. They are building up the body of Christ here and they have made us stronger. So I'm thankful, so thankful for the new people who've joined us recently. We're healthy as as a church. We're healthy in terms of relationships. There's unity instead of division. There is peace instead of conflict. And I can say that for the leadership. I can say that for our vestry as well. We're united together. Each week I get to witness how you show practical love to one another as members of the body here at Church of the Resurrection. We're enjoying relational health. We are financially healthy. I remember a stretch here at the church when I first came when we we had to stop paying our tithe to our denomination because we were worried about paying the bills and making payroll. So things were tight. That was a brief season, but it was kind of nerve-wracking. But God has provided continually, year after year, God provided through His people, and now we're in a much better place financially 
Through our congregation, new leaders have been formed for the Anglican Church of North America. That is part of our vocation, I think. That is part of our calling as a church. That we are forming leaders for the ACNA. We've had several men who've been part of the church who are now priests in the Anglican Church of North America. Right now, there are three men who are at various stages in pursuing ordination in the ACNA. Patrick Egan, Luke Davis, and Taylor Daniel. Also, Linda Sutherland is beginning to discern a call to the diaconate, and we're excited about that. So it's a privilege for us as a church to be part of shaping future leaders for this Anglican movement and the kingdom of God. We are in a healthy place right now. The number of children has grown since I've been here, and I've helped out quite a bit with that. The number of children in our ministry has grown and ministry to children has grown. And uh, we heard Sarah's passion for that this morning. And I'm grateful for the work that Sarah has done in leading the charge in children's ministry. So we are in a good place now. But the reality is, just like in any church, we face significant challenges for the future. And we need to face them squarely and prayerfully. And here are some of the challenges that I see. First of all, our challenge is to grow as a witnessing church. We are a church of good fellowship. We are a worshiping church. We are a learning church. We are a caring church. But I think our challenge, one challenge, is to grow as witnesses of Jesus Christ. In our gospel reading, Jesus said to the disciples, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So, friends, if you have known the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ, if your life has been changed by Jesus, you are a witness You've been given the Holy Spirit to empower you to witness and to share the good news with other people. I heard a story recently about a woman who took a first aid course. And afterwards, they were giving testimonies about the value of taking first aid. And this woman jumped up and said, well, I would really like to give a testimony. Something happened to me recently. She said, I was just at the mall and there was an old man there who fell down and it was horrible. He fell down and he hit his head and he was bleeding and his leg was broken and it was just an awful scene. And then she said, but, but I remembered my first aid. I remembered if I put my head between my knees, I wouldn't faint. <laughs> the point is, sometimes, sometimes as Christians, sometimes as Christians, we can have a similar attitude. I'm, I'm glad I'm a Christian so I can put my head between my knees and survive in this horrible world. But, you know, there are people around us who are hurting, who are broken. There are people around us just like we were before we heard the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ who were lost in their sin and facing a Christless eternity. These are people who need to hear the gospel as well. Who can we pray for to know Christ? Who can you talk to? Who can you invite to church? Let's rededicate ourselves to being a witnessing church. There's another challenge that we face in our future, and it's 
obvious. I think we've experienced something of it today, and that is we face a facility challenge. Um, Now, we all know that buildings don't create ministry and foster growth. It's the people that minister. It's the people that invite others to come, the people that witness. But a church building can be a barrier. It can be a barrier to ministry and growth. And this building has served us well after the wandering days of the wilderness. But now that we've arrived and now that we've settled in, if we want to reach new people and develop new ministries, I believe we need new space, more space. Over the last couple of years, our average Sunday attendance has been about 100 people total. And I don't think we're going to be able to get much beyond that in our current facility. At our 9 a.m. service, we have children that are meeting in my office and in other small spaces upstairs. During the sermon, I'm often competing with their voices and their little feet above us. And that's fine. I would rather hear them than not have any children. Believe me, I'm thankful for the children. But this is not ideal. Our fellowship hall cannot accommodate our entire congregation. So our building creates challenges for growth and for ministry. And that's why we are starting this capital campaign. And as I said earlier, it's going to take commitment and sacrifice to meet our capital campaign goals. But I I believe with God's help, I know with God's help, we can do this. We can meet the goal. One final challenge I want to mention. This is part of our reality as well. We face a, a generational challenge. We face the challenge of meeting and reaching the next generation of Christians. And many churches are facing this challenge and grappling with how do we reach younger people today? I've talked about Moses who led the people of Israel through the wilderness period. Um, Joshua was called to bring the people into the promised land. These were all key leaders that God raised up to help the people of Israel. But then later in the history of Israel, when They had turned from the Lord and they were facing great enemies. God called Gideon to be a leader. We read about Gideon. He was a reluctant warrior. But once Gideon was assured that the Lord was with him, he became a great leader for Israel. I believe that the next generation of Christians are going to have to have something of the spirit of Gideon. Because they are facing a great spiritual and cultural battle. We are all facing that, but I do think that those who are younger are going to face even greater difficulties. We are in a battle against spiritual forces of evil, of darkness and despair. I just read an article in the Atlantic of all places that talked about the rise of request in the Roman Catholic Church for exorcisms. They made the point that as young people turn away from institutional religion, they are still searching for meaning and many of them are going into the occult and practicing occult practices. And with the rise of the occult has come a dramatic request in the ministry of exorcism to the Roman Catholic Church. Here is a startling statistic here. The official exorcist for Indianapolis received, get this, 1,700 requests in this year for the ministry of exorcism. Now, most of these folks, many of them are just screened out because they're dealing with psychological issues. So there's need for discernment in this area for sure. Many of them are screened out for psychological reasons. But those involved in this ministry report that there are cases which elude scientific and psychological explanation. And in those cases, people are finding healing and freedom through prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. 
We are in a spiritual battle. It requires spiritual weapons. And not only do we face spiritual forces of evil, but there are structures of thoughts. There are habits of heart and mind in this increasingly secular age that turn people away from the knowledge of God. And so the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that part of his apostolic ministry was to demolish arguments that are set against the knowledge of God. We need a generation of people who can do that kind of ministry as well. The next generation of Christian leaders are going to need the strength of a Gideon. And we need to support them. We need to mentor them and train them and give them leadership. And, and I think as a church, we need to develop a vision and a plan for becoming a multi-generational church where older saints are mentoring Younger saints, again, we are valuing them, we are strengthening them, and we are giving them leadership opportunities. But that's a challenge for us. This is the reality facing us. Growing as a witnessing church, expanding our facility, and reaching out to and including the younger generation. They're great challenges, but friends, look at where the Lord has brought us thus far. Look at where we are now. The Lord has been our help. The Lord has been on our side. He's been faithful in the past. He's faithful now to us, and he will be faithful to us in the future. Amen. Amen.